Hi, my name is John Kim. I'm a therapist who went through his own rebirth many years ago, and I've been documenting my journey ever since, sharing my life lessons and revelations. I believe in casual over clinical, with you instead of at you. I come unrehearsed on purpose because self-help doesn't have to be so complicated. Hey, I want to tell you about the lab. If you haven't heard, it is wellness. Anywhere you go, you could listen to it like a podcast. Um, they're basically live Zoom classes, but you could listen to them on a run, or you could turn the camera on and engage with them. We have a thriving community of like-minded people trying to live better lives, and it's been amazing. Not only do we have the foundational classes like codependency and and, uh, ch- and trauma and relationships and all that, but we also have a lot of fun classes because it's so hard to make friends as adults, right? So we have tarot card readings, we have soul shower, we have astrology readings. Uh, we're turning wellness into a lifestyle. We're also uh, going to run a retreat soon. So come and hang out with us. Come ride with us. Go to the website to get into uh, the lab and then go download the app. We have a brand new app out with tons of audio. I'm going to give you a discount code um, and this is for a limited time. So if you're listening to this, you could join the lab for only $20. It's like a drop-in fee. For three months, it's $20 a month. Go to tatlab.app. That's tatlab.app. And the discount code is live better. It's case sensitive. So all lowercase, one word, live better. And I will see you in the lab. So most of the time, we don't really know what our episodes are going to be about. We just start talking and see where it goes. Uh, Those tend to be the best conversations anyway. Um, But today's episode, we kind of have an idea because it's very here now. It's something that that, uh, we're going through, and that is uh, parenting, the struggles of parenting. Yeah. So where do you want to start? I think I want to start by just naming that today was a rough day. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, it was I tough. S- I know. And I see it in you. I see you going through it. It's interesting because, you know, there's different parts of me. Um, and I, I, I forget to, uh, you know, because I, there's a, the, the big part of me is trying to, to fix things and, and, and be, try to be solution based and, calm be calm and like you know let's just focusing on how to fix and um i forget to uh recognize acknowledge see how hard it it is for you at times you know so right now uh logan is screaming constantly and um vanessa screaming crying but like screeching like she's she's communicating through screeches (laughs) yeah and so it doesn't bother me as much, but um, Vanessa is more of a sensate. Is it sensate? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yours. I mean, she can hear a pen drop, um, you know, in, inside a bank vault. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's, um, you know, I, I think it's it's having to kind of honor my nervous system a little bit, you know, and uh She's screeching a lot. Um, she's hasn't been feeling well the last few days. She's been very clingy, um, and whiny and she just wants me right now. Like the clinginess and the wanting to be held. It's like, it's an, she's in a mom phase right now. Um, and so it doesn't feel like I can get a break 
as much right. as I would like. Right. Um, and so, yeah, it just, it's, it's overwhelming. And I think like yesterday evening into today, I think I just kind of hit a breaking point and there was all kinds of shame and guilt and feelings that came up around that breaking point. And what I'm are those feelings? Because that's, that's what's hard, right? I mean, the, 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 the residue from the events that, that seems to be what more hard than the event itself. Yeah. So, you know, it was interesting because I, I had two people and I'm sniffling because I actually was just crying about this a while ago. Um, I had two people in my life today reflect back to me uh, things that are known, but that I needed to be reminded of. Right. So one, you know, my best friend who has a four-year-old said, first and foremost, this is a phase. It's normal. You know, it's a short phase, <laughs> the screaming phase. Um, you can do this. But she also said, ask for help. Like you need to ask for help. Um, you know, we just talked a little bit about how I know that I'm kind of highly sensitive to overstimulation, um, of the senses. So, uh, sounds touch, I get very overwhelmed with it when there's too much. Right. And I, and I don't have quiet or kind of, which is funny cause I'm an extrovert, but, but my senses can get very overwhelmed and I, yeah. I do need to take time for myself in silence alone. Um, and so if I don't honor that, I can get very overwhelmed. And so she just kind of reminded me like, you need to ask for help. And then I had a call with a career coach that I've been working with today. And she said something to me that was, you know, pretty interesting, which was just like, this is a theme in your life. This is a theme across everything in your life. This is this like, uh, I power through, I can do it, suck it up just do what has to get done. Um, don't ask for help. Don't show weakness. You know, all these, these narratives that I have. <sighs> do you feel, um, so tell me about the shame. Why do you feel shame? Because you, is it because she's too much right now and you don't, you, you don't want you need to be away from her. And, and then, and so because you need to be away from her, that makes you feel like you're that that's bad or you're being a bad parent or. Yeah. Partly. Um, I don't want her to feel like she's too much. Right. Ever. I never want her to feel that way. Is, is that tied to your own story? Yeah. I mean, yeah. I think my own story, you know, a lot of stories of people that I've worked with as clients, it's this like inner narrative, especially women, um, that were too much, you know? And so I just, I don't want to give that to her. Yeah. And I think there's a difference between, you know, that her being quote unquote too much and her um, going through a phase of just screaming yeah. as communication, you know, like, I think they're very different things. I know that um, it's easy to feel like, okay, I promised myself I would never, um, water her down, you know, I don't want yeah. that for her, but, but this is not, this is not you doing that because you need space. Cause she's screaming in your ear, you know? <laughs> yeah. And then it's just, you know, I think what my coach Jeannie said was, was pretty spot on, which is just, you know, this is the pattern that you see with me across everything, which is like this pushing myself to the point of, um, like burnout, pushing myself to the point of being overwhelmed and that's when I ask for help in more of like a throw my hands up 
fuck this. I need to get away from everything place. And I've been working on this. I think I, I started working on this actually when the baby was first born, just if all of us have zero to 10, 10 being our snapping moment, how do we figure out what our like six or our seven is mm. and ask for help then, or, or remove yourself and take care of yourself then um, before it gets to the 10. And how do I get myself into a six or a seven, ask for help and not feel the guilt and the shame around asking for help. Right. So the, the feelings that I, and I I'm rambling about myself because I know just even based on clients of this retreat that I just read, so many people can relate to this feeling of like, saying I need help means I'm saying that I can't do this. I'm inadequate. I'm needy. Um, I'm weak versus just like powering through, you know, right. and doing it all. Well, the first person that you would ask for help is most likely me. So what would you need help with? Like when you're at a six or seven and maybe you, you don't ask for help, what would you ask for? How would, what would the help be? What would you want at a six to seven? Um, it would probably, it would probably be just to take over entirely yeah, and, and let me have that space to, to be in stillness and being quiet um, and recalibrate my nervous system. So what would help me is because I notice when you ask for help, it's by that time, it's already a 10. Mm-hmm. And so you don't ask for help. There's the way that you deliver the message is um, you preference it. So you'll say like, I can't, you know, like, uh, like I'm just giving you an example, but like um, I can't do this anymore. I have a headache. Like you preference it with all the things. Instead of just saying, hey, can, can you help me? You'll say, you know, I'm about to lose my mind, this and this. And then I feel like, why did you go this far? Just just ask for help. So if you can ask for help at six, right? If you could um, ask to pass the baton or whatever, you know, uh, ask to be tapped in and we switch at, a, at about a six, then you're not going to get so exhausted that you're just collapsing, but it'll be a nice flow and dance, you know? Well, because what, what happens is if when you wait till 10 and you're like, I'm exhausted or whatever, you say your, your, your things and then you say, can you help me? Then I feel like it, it's, it, it's not like a, a smooth passing of the baton. Then I feel like, um, well, why didn't you ask before? Like then, then it's weird, right? Then it's like, then there, it creates a little bit of tension between us almost. And, and so if you ask at a six, it probably wouldn't come out like that. It would just be like, Hey, you know what? I'm, can you, and then, you know, assuming I say, yeah, of course. So I think that this might be part of the dance and, and this is going to be something actually that I, I think I, I speak up and I say that this, this might be a need that I have from you Yeah. as a partner is knowing that this is one of my areas of work, like knowing this area of, you know, not being superwoman <laughs> yeah. is a struggle for me not just with the baby, but just in life. Sure. Um, I guess it's twofold. One, and you're human and you're going to have your own responses, but it's, I think one, if I get to a place of 10, because I haven't been able to catch myself at a six, trying to depersonalize it and know that it's, 
it's not about you, right? Sure. This is all of my shit. Um, and two, and this is something that I'm asking as a need, but also you are usually pretty good about doing actually, um, which is because you know me, you know, when I'm at usually a six or a seven and you probably know it actually. And I might, I might know it in my body, but I haven't accepted that reality. Right. And so sometimes you'll say to me, Hey, why don't you go do something? Like I'm going to take her for an hour. Yeah. And usually I push back because I haven't accepted the fact that I'm at a seven yet, or maybe I don't want to accept that fact yet. And so a lot of times I'll push back and it might almost be helpful for you to put language to it and say, I think you're at a seven. Mm -hmm. I think you need to go take a break. Right. You know, like, I think you need to let me do this. Um, and as I'm saying that out loud, I'm thinking like, I, I feel like that might be something that I need. And, you know, this is interesting when we're talking about like how couples and partners do this because we're, we are responsible for our own titration and our own needs being met and speaking up. But at the same time, I almost feel like when you know somebody's specific thing that they're working with, part of me feels like it actually would be helpful, I think, for me to have you reflect back to me, like, I, I think you're at a seven. Like, I'm not asking you, I'm telling you, like, go do a yoga class. <laughs> I'm right. taking her for an hour, you know? Yeah, I mean, what I hear you saying is, um, can you take more initiative? So because I know you, um, instead of me just saying it's on you, and if you don't come to me asking for help, then too bad. Instead of, instead of being like that, um, notice that you're a seven and take initiative right um take the baby go do something and don't like almost like don't give your don't give you a choice because i know that you it'll be hard for you to to let go of that that's what yeah, you're asking and, for. and you know i think for a lot of people who who tend to go into over-functioning mode when there's anxiety right so any anxiety any loss of control puts me into over-functioning like that is my response to anxiety usually irritability and over-functioning yeah um I just had a revelation that I what, finish what you're saying, but okay. What happens is I'm already in that place, right? Which means I'm in a place of anxiety. And so you stepping in and saying like, I've got this, go do a thing. What happens when you say that is I go into a space of like, yeah, but he doesn't know what she needs for lunch. And I've already got her lunch planned out and she, he's not going to be able to pack her bag correctly if he takes her to this place. And like, that's where my brain goes because I'm in anxiety over functioning mode. And yeah, like, but that's I'm not even that's aware not of that laughter. But what can I do about that? Like, so if I say, "Let me take her, go yeah. go rest or go do yoga, go do whatever," um, and you're worried that I'm not gonna, you know, feed her or she's not gonna be warm enough. I mean, I, I that's something you're just gonna have to like. Go, I don't, what am I supposed to do about that? Yeah, you know, you just have to trust me, basically. Because if you give me a checklist, or if you say, "Okay, you take her," but here's how I want you to do it then it's going to be hard for me because I'm going to feel like you're nagging or controlling or you're not letting me have my own experience. Now, of course, you know, if it's raining outside and I take her without, without you know, you, 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 I would have to do the basics or if she hasn't eaten, this is what you need to feed her. Mm -hmm. um, but if you um, grab instead of hold, if you say you need to do it this way, period, then I get irritated because now you're, you're stripping the experience from me. So like if I take her, I'm taking her and I'm going to, you should trust it. I'm, I'm now it's not, now it's I'm, I'm, a, I'm at the steering wheel. 
Like you, you can't go do yoga and still be at the steering wheel at the same time. You know what I'm saying? My revelation is, was this, um, one of the things that's, you know, really triggering for me is, um, and, and probably cause I used to do this a lot is, uh, hijack space, meaning take people hostage by going into a space explosive or lots of high energy, um, as you call it, um, going in too hot, right? The way I go into Logan's room sometimes, um, <laughs> kick the door down like I'm SWAT. <laughs> and she cries because she's just waking up from a nap and you're like, bah! Okay, let's not exaggerate. Let's not exaggerate. Um, a lot of times because, and this isn't just with Logan, it's just with life, because you let things get to a 10, when you enter a room, there's always panic. Not, I shouldn't say always, but there's panic. And then that triggers me. And I'm like, you know, you're hijacking my space. And then I get panicky. And now with two people, you know, running around, um, like the sky is falling. And so the revelation I had was, uh, because my previous to this revelation, I thought, well, that's on you. That's something you need to work on, you know, all of that stuff. But I can contribute to it. You know, I can... Mm-hmm catch you at a seven and check in or ask what's up because it'll prevent you from entering the room two hours later at a 10. And then suddenly, you know, the magnets flip and we're defensive and I'm mad at you because you're, you're panicking over something and, and, you know, back and forth. Right. So, so I didn't, I didn't know that I could do something about it, I guess is what I'm saying. I thought it was just you. Like it's on you. It's yeah. your responsibility. It's your journey. You can't come in. If you come into rooms, you know, um, taking hostages, what everything is life or death, panic, then that's something you need to work on. That's not my mess. That's kind of the way that I saw it. But um, it's not true. But, you know, because we, we, we are living in, in, in a shared space and we know each other and well enough to know um, when it's getting to a seven or eight. And I think that um, the partner has a responsibility to help in some way, you know, at least to reflect because. Right. Yeah. Well, I think it's help. I think it's help, especially because I'm asking for the help. Right. Right. So in realizing that it's something that I am still working on and, you know, I, I might need a little assistance, like calling me out when I'm at a six or a seven and not, you know, calling me out is probably the bad way to put it. Like, obviously not in like an aggressive way, but just more of, you know what it is? It feels like if I, if I close my eyes and I, and I feel into the, like what it feels like in my body to imagine you coming to me softly at a six or a seven and taking the reins, I feel seen. Yeah. And I feel taken care of. Right. Of course. Like you've got it. So I don't have to. <laughs> yes. And, and I think, you know, part of your practice is trusting me, whether I'm going in the backyard or taking her to the park or wherever, that I do have it. You know, I mean, you can give me instructions like she needs to be fed or she needs whatever. But when I take her, you have to let that go or, or, or you're just going to be um, sitting in your room with anxiety, a different type of anxiety. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Oh, children are our mirrors. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, I got to say, 
Um, one of my learnings from having a daughter that is now one one year and what a month old. Um, it's and I've said this before, and I'll probably say it many more times. It's ten times harder than I thought it was going to be. Um, and and we're lucky, you know, we have help. Um, you know, sometimes my mom comes over. Um, I mean, compared to our parents, uh, Vanessa and I, you know, we we have it a hundred times better, you know, and also as individuals, because we've gone to therapy, we're at a different place, you know, we're not, you know, um, who we were in say our twenties. Right. And so, uh, and a lot of our parents had us and they're raising us in their twenties. So Mm -hmm. now I'm looking at them and thinking, holy shit, how did they do that? I have so much respect now and it's so easy to get mad at our parents for not being, um, who we wanted them to be. But now being in those shoes, I'm like, wow, like this, <laughs> I understand why they, you know, I understand why working on themselves was, was not a priority mm-hmm. during this time. Because, Who had the time or the space? <laughs> yeah, or, or even the money, the you know, yeah. the resources. So um, it's fucking hard. And I, and I know it sounds like I'm complaining. And I know there's a lot of people who want kids that can't have kids and they're rolling their eyes and they're like, what are you talking about? But um, it's, it, it doesn't matter how you cut it. It's hard uh, having a person um, that needs your attention 24, I mean, unless they're sleeping, or, you know, they're tugging, they're wrapped around your leg constantly. Mm-hmm. Um, and I realized today that and this is one of the, my revelations with Logan. I forget to sometimes spend time with her because we're so focused on, you know, um, heating the milk, the diapers. Um, um, if she's sick, if she's going through a growth spurt, like what we need to do. Uh, we're so keeping focused. Her alive. <laughs> yeah, we're, we're so focused on keeping her alive. And then on top of that, like what's good for her, you know, and, you know, teaching all that, that you actually forget to spend time with her. So mm-hmm. even, even though you're in the same room, your mind is three steps ahead. I got to feed her. I got to do all these things. And so you're not really there. Mm-hmm. And so that's one of the things I, I catch myself constantly and I have to remind myself, um, whether it's putting the phone down or just sitting with her. Uh, I forget to spend time with her, even though I'm with her, because I'm trying to, quote unquote, take care of her. Yeah, that's, I mean, that's big, you know, that's, that's huge to notice and to come back to, I think, frequently, if you can, um, almost as like a mantra, you know? Yeah, and I think that um, it's also a metaphor uh, in what happens with relationships, you know, Mm -hmm. I think sometimes and you know, with you and I, we are uh, right now we're writing a book together, right? We have this podcast or things that we're doing together that that are bigger than us. And so sometimes we're thinking about so many things, you know, uh, in the future or what we need to get done that we can easily forget to spend time together, even though we spend a lot of time together. Quantity or quality over quantity. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, um, that's I where feel, we're at. <laughs> I feel better having asked for my needs. It's, it sounds silly, but it is something that so many people struggle with. And I am not immune to that. Um, you know, I still have this narrative that, you know, having needs makes me needy or inadequate or less than in some way. And it's still a struggle. Yeah. And one of the biggest poisons in a relationship I know is resentment. And, 
Um, I think it cracks the relationship container. You know, I think it's the pebbles in the shoe. They're not things that go that go away. And one of the fastest way to have resentment is to have needs and don't ask for them. And then you get resentful very fast. Been there, done that. I don't want to do that anymore. Yeah, yeah. And I think my work, I think my practice uh, would be to um, pay attention and, and, and take initiative when you, when I see you at a six or seven. And of course, there's going to be days that I, that I don't notice, right? But mm-hmm. um, actually set the intention to, and then um, whether it's Logan or, you know, something else um, to help you, you know, give you what I think you need um, as, I mean, as much as I can. And then that's, I mean, that's the dance, right? That's the, um, the scratching of each other's backs. And I think that uh, not only releases resentment, but also builds trust. Yeah. And safety and, yeah, just, you know, yeah. Safety, feeling safe. You know, nothing makes you feel less, uh, nothing makes you feel more alone than feeling like you need something and then the other person not being aware of it. And then, you know, then they're just talking about themselves and their life. And then you slowly start to drift and then you feel like you're by yourself. Yeah. Also been there, done that. And I'm not doing that again. (laughs) Right. Right. Well, guys, thank you for listening. And, um, we hope that uh, you enjoy our conversations and we will continue to uh, document our journey. Vanessa, you have to say something. <laughs> you usually close it out, so I was just letting you handle it. No, it, it's, uh, uh, it's both of us. You have to say something. Yeah, I mean, I hope this isn't just meandering. I hope you all take something from this that's helpful um, as we kind of open it up and get real and apparently cry. Yeah. Thank you for listening. Be well. Listen, if you are great at helping other people and you have a passion for that and you want to find personal freedom and level up the skills you already have, it's time to become a life coach. Journey coaching. When I became a coach, there was nothing like this out there. And so I developed this coaching training program alongside Noel Cordeaux. Journey coaching. That's J-R-N-I. And it is amazing. It's 100% live. It's everything that I wish I had when I was starting out. Meaningful, evidence-based education, real people, real community, lifetime support, and business development, ICF certified. Just go to theangrytherapist.com, my website, and click on Become a Coach and explore the Journey Coaching Intensive. See you in class.